you are listening to Law and Gospel on this Rumination Thursday, July the 13th, 14th, 16th. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and with me on the line is, of course, our good friend. How you doing? I'm doing fine. Who's your good friend? Chris Wallace. <laughs> Chris Wallace. <laughs> Wes Reimnitz. How you doing, Wes? Oh, I'm I'm doing great today. I had a special surprise yesterday. What was it? I received in the mail a book called Law and Gospel by CFW Walton, the Reader's Edition. And it is just a great piece of work that CPH has put out, and I haven't been able to put it down since. Well, it's kind of heavy. You you better put it down. <laughs> You're going to get tired holding it. It is fun reading it. Yeah, I had asked you if you had uh, received a copy of it, and so I thought it was really necessary. It's the primary text I use on Wednesdays, by the way, in talking about CFW Walther, and it is really well put together, has a lot of information that are not in the other items. But today... We have something else we're going to be talking about. I ran across a program on YouTube. I kind of go through there every now and then looking for tsunamis and such and came across almost a tsunami-type program called Kitchen Nightmares. It is done by an executive chef named Gordon Ramsay, and he is a well-known chef in the world, opened a restaurant in England that has received three Michelin stars. You can't get higher than that. And he's had it longer than anybody else. He has a number of other programs, but one of the things he does in Kitchen Nightmares, he goes to restaurants that are really failing. They're ready to close down. The people owe all kinds of money. And he goes through a series of items trying to help them get their restaurant uh, back in sorts. It's it's really a wonderful program, except there is uh, quite a bit of swearing in it. The uh, owners of the restaurant end up swearing at him, and he swears back at them sometimes. So I think there are some that are don't have that in that but if you have children you probably don't want them watching the program with you but it's really quite amazing what he does uh you've seen some of them haven't you oh yeah oh yeah it's it's very interesting yeah you go ahead there's about five things that he finds wrong first of all Uh, A lot of these restaurants are owned by husband and wives that are ready to have a divorce. Or they're owned by owners that don't get along with the executive chef. Many of the chefs do not know how to cook properly. And there's, he goes through the whole restaurant. He finds freezers that have rotten food in them. And the decor is just horrible in some of the restaurants. They're dark and they're dingy, and the people can't figure out why hardly anybody is coming to eat at the restaurants. And in about uh, 50 minutes, there's no advertising, 
he uh, on YouTube, he goes through and shows what's wrong with the restaurants and tries to improve them. And I've seen about 20 of these so far, and so far there's only two and maybe three that the owners just refused to go along with him, and he left, and they closed down shortly after he left because they would not take his advice. So I'm taking a look at this. I think you missed one. Tom? We're waiting. That unhappy or displeased customers, too. You know, some of them never were returning because they just didn't like the service of the food. I yeah, that there were about support. ten things wrong that I missed, and then that's another one. And that leads me into what I thought we would be talking about today is a new subject for Law and Gospel that I want to entitle Worship Nightmares. Uh, you and I are going to be the kind of executive chefs that take a look at worship services, many of them found on the Internet, to indicate what God would consider to be a worship nightmare. And whether a pastor can even get in there and change the worship services in order that they are not nightmares. They're nightmares, again, because about ten different reasons. But uh, one of them is hymns that are sung. Have you got any insight on that? Yes, uh, I went back and I looked at uh, some hymns that we had done in November of last year, and uh, they were about uh, homosexuality, uh, gay stuff, like one is a hymn for self-acceptance. When you feel changed, hopeless, you're giving up on God. When you feel worth not saving, but your being, beingness is flawed. When your prayers are still unanswered, not a sound from the divine, maybe you have been mistaken. God is sending you a sign. And it goes on to talk about uh, how the church doctrines have, have centered him on the wrong track, and that God made him that way, and it's okay. They're, made him as okay. gay people? Yep. God made and him as gay people. God is okay. the one who did that. God is the one who did that, and God accepts them the way that they are. Don't listen to the church. See, this would be a good example of a worship nightmare, because... Nightmare means it's contrary to the will of God. Uh, Just like the kitchen nightmare showed what was contrary to having a good restaurant, so also worship can be contrary to God's will. And therefore, especially at a place where gay people go and they get the impression that God is okaying their lifestyle, when, of course, he thinks it's an abomination. It's throughout the Old and the New Testament against homosexuality. And we love these people, and therefore we're going to continue to speak with them. And there are many that do leave their homosexual lifestyle. That is a kind of a curable uh, disease, if you want to call it, or an addiction, just like uh, individuals 
who are on drugs, you can cure them of those drugs. And, of course, there are some states who know this. And now, like in California, it's against the law to indicate that homosexuality can be cured. Isn't that interesting? Yes. And that's one of the reasons I picked it up, because I I forwarded to you uh, a PDF file of of uh, songs for a holy other, which is gays at about 2025, 20, and they they all talk just just about what you're talking about. And the other interesting thing that I found in there is the, the lack of the gospel or the lack of Christ's salvation for the forgiveness of our sins. You you just won't find it in those hymns. Yes. There's just no doubt that in what we refer to as worship nightmares, the lack of Christ and the importance of what he has done for people is found again and again and again. So one area is hymns, and then there's not just hymns extolling immorality, like you pointed out, but there are hymns that are Christless. In other words... They're talking more about that we should be doing good works in order that we can be saved or hymns that talk about that we can invite Christ into our hearts. And we may have some examples of this because I'd like to continue this next Thursday also with even more examples of what I would refer to as worship nightmares. And it really does take place, the kitchen nightmares primarily occurred because of failing executive chefs. Some of them weren't even trained to be chefs, and it sure shows it with the kind of food that they have, the way they store the food, etc. And we, we find this also in many seminaries where this is not being taught properly. Well... <laughs> In particular, you you run across the the what, what's necessary to be a clergyman, you know, male, female, homosexual. You know, it's come wide open in many of these denominations that uh, there's the clearly it goes against what Scripture has said about what a pastor should be. Yeah, it really does kind of show when a denomination points out what is so important in a certain year. Uh, One of the areas I looked at, of course, because we don't consider it really to be a a Lutheran denomination anymore because of its practices and teachings, is the Evangelical Lutheran Church of America. And there were three things that they were celebrating uh, recently. Number one was 50 years of women becoming ministers, which, of course, is an abomination before Almighty God. The second thing they said was so many years of black women becoming ministers, which is kind of showing you the racism that is found in the ELCA. And uh, the last item that they were talking about is the wonderful movement toward LBGT, uh, lesbian, gay, etc., and being able also to become ministers. Now, those are the items they're celebrating, and no wonder their worship services 
are nightmares. <laughs> yeah. Well, and in particular, as you read through their litanies and their hymns, is we did it, as you said, and God made us that way. And there's no talk about saving faith and what gives us saving faith. No. The, this idea, in, in fact, um, I ran across a worship service that the ELCA has put out for Native Indians. Uh, they, they, first of all, are really against the idea that Columbus discovered America because the Indians were already here. So they were already people, and they're trying to take care of any kind of discovery out of all of their uh, ideas. That's why people are trying to tear down statues of Columbus, etc. But I took a look at their uh, item. What they're doing with Indians, and this is a liturgy written by a woman seminarian, and so you know it's going to be filled with doctrine that's not correct. And they have the idea that Indians in their religion already are close to what ELCA thinks is religious teaching. So in one part of the uh, liturgy, they say this, that the Lutheran Church in America will eliminate the doctrine of discovery from its contemporary rhetoric and programs electing to practice accompaniment with Native peoples instead of a missionary endeavor to them. So it's kind of like what they had, a remember, a recent convention where they had uh, Muslims and all kinds of false preachers up on the stage and gave the impression that they were already saved because we can't really figure out which people Jesus is going to save or not. And and you brought up a a few times the Bible verse that they were really contradicting, that they voted against. Do you remember what that was? Well, that was in John 14 where Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. So to to know the Father is to know Jesus, and to know Jesus is is to know the triune God. And what did the woman leader of the ELCA say about that when that uh, gentleman got up and spoke that? Well, it was nonsense as far as she was concerned, and she was applauded for it. Yes. So what you have, in fact, they had a vote, and it was really quite amazing. Over 90% of the uh, delegates at the ELCA ended up voting against that Bible verse. Yeah, and that's what I put down for one of the worst nightmares is is the lack of Scripture. And, yeah. and, or well it's said. used, well, or it's turned around and used for, for purposes other than what God intended. Exactly. Well, what happened in this service for Native Indians written by a woman seminarian They have a creed. And remember, they're trying to help the Indians see that they really don't have to change that much. They they don't need, as they already say, uh, to be witnessed to by the ELCA. 
but therefore, for Indians, when, at least in their understanding, they don't look at uh, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. They instead refer to the Spirit. And here's how she wrote the creed statement that they're supposed to uh, confess. We believe in Creator, Father, Mother, Spirit, who called the world and all that is in it into being, who spoke the creative forming word, and all, all came forth, who created women and men, and set them free to live in love, in obedience to the will of supreme love, and in community with all. Now, not only is God referred to as father and mother, but also this is a clear kind of understanding of what we call legalism, that the purpose of creating the world was to get the people to be free to obey. And there's nothing in this part here about the father sending his only begotten son into the world. Right, and the other the other two thoughts that I had on that is one, yes. one of the gay hymns. It goes, "You are wonderfully made in the image of the mother, father, and parent." You know that God is mother, father, and parents. And uh, the the other thing is that that came to mind is, aren't they being somewhat of a universal universalist in their religion? And when you say universalistic, you mean what? That everyone's got their way to find God. Yes. Christians has theirs, the Native American has theirs, the Muslim, you know, and so forth. Well said. And that was shown at that convention where they had all these other religious identities up on the stage, uh, pretending that uh, they didn't have to hear uh, the, the message that Elka has because... They don't send missionaries hardly over anymore because it is embarrassing to do that because it's offensive uh, to a Muslim to hear a Lutheran say that it's important to believe in Jesus Christ. That's so offensive that the ELCA now thinks that that ought not be done and that their missionary activity is just about grounding to zero. And what, when you when you talk about it, what brings to mind is Acts four twelve. There is no other name given among men whereby we must be saved, and that name is of course Jesus. Yes, and Jesus is mentioned uh, in, in this liturgy, but uh, when they talk about we believe in the Creator, Son, and Brother, who set before us the paths of life and death and walk them with us. That obviously is legalistic also, as though the path of uh, life is that path that Jesus says is a narrow path, that few are on it, and he's not walking with us. He's carrying us on that path. Hmm. You know, you know, the Missouri Senate uh, had an Indian mission up in Michigan back in the 1800s. 
and uh, hey, you wouldn't find that in any of the stuff that they put out. Of course, they taught them German, they taught them English, but they also taught them to sing hymns in their own native language that talked about Christ and salvation, or a catechism. Luther's catechism was translated into their their language, so it was uh, uh, native, yes, but it was Christ-centered. Yes, and that's what we in the Missouri Synod are doing, is we are translating into other languages. We don't make them learn English anymore. Uh, we translate into their language, and Luther's small catechism has been translated into numerous languages by the Missouri Synod and sent to those people overseas. In fact, you know, we're, we often deal with a tremendous magazine, Good News, and that also is written in different languages. Uh, Wallace Schultz does a great job in finding good translators, and he does something really interesting. He has a person translate it, let's say from English into uh, Russian. Then he gets another Russian to translate it back into English to see if it's accurate enough. And that, that wow. really works well, you know, because then he knows what's coming across. So good news is something that individuals certainly, if anybody, by the way, wants a copy of good news, uh, don't hesitate to email me, Tom Baker, at longgospel at longgospel101.com, and we'll be glad to send them a copy, which is a great way of helping people in different languages understand the message of Christianity. And that's what makes worship nightmares when that message isn't coming across. Were there other ways that you found that uh, make a worship nightmare? Well, there's a ton of them, but, you know, one of them that I think we should cover is they talked about in Kitchen Nightmares, the unhappy or displeased customer who's yes. never returning. And are we running across that in our churches today? Yes. In fact, there's a name for certain young people who say they don't belong to any denomination. We call them... The nuns, the N-O-N-E-S. Exactly. And that's because that when they hear the true message of Jesus Christ, they don't like it because it goes against their morality views and this sort of thing. And so there's another area where people are leaving the church uh, because they consider the Christian message to be a nightmare. Just as in Jesus' day, Pharisees, scribes, Romans, etc., and other Gentiles left Jesus because what they thought he was saying was a nightmare. Well, I, I would tend to think that there's some in those nuns, those N-O-N-E-S, that, that aren't being fed the word, and they're thereby... Uh, are leaving the church. Wouldn't you say there's some in that, that category? I'll tell you, if I belonged to some of the congregations they belong to, I would leave also because you get nothing but legalistic teaching, work righteousness, and this sort of thing. Well, 
no, no this brings us to the end of today's broadcast. Uh, tomorrow right. is an open mic Friday. Maybe you have a question. Don't hesitate to ring us or email us at longgospel at longgospel101.com. I'm Pastor Tom Baker. You've been listening to me and Wes Reimnitz. Tune in to Open Mic Friday. God bless. Listen to Law & Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.